0: you can't tell i've had very much coffee right
1: do that again i'll get it on the recording
0: <laughs> no i'm good thanks
1: all righty
0: hey everybody welcome to another episode of bearded bible brothers I'm Firebeard Matt Crosswhite, and we're joined by Snowbeard Josiah Marshall. How
1: are you, sir? I'm doing very well. I'm excited to talk with you.
0: <laughs> Likewise. Likewise. Okay. I see a bit more snow in the bottom of your beard there, a bit more whitish yep. gray. It is. Your getting wisdom there. is showing. <laughs>
1: well i appreciate that sentiment sometimes i don't know <laughs> is it either wisdom or is it just your stress
0: <laughs> well, i wonder sometimes <laughs> it's the trials of life that bring wisdom so both
1: <laughs> all right i'll take that <laughs> well i got some more down here and then we got some more on the on the ground outside too we got a decent little um uh, uh I wouldn't call it smattering, but decent layer of snow overnight. So very nice. We don't have a lot, but we've got a few inches. We've got some grass poking through the tops of that snow. But um excellent. Yeah. It's uh yeah, life is good. Um and life is becoming more and more interesting the farther we get into this study. Uh I I've read about I've been reading about this stuff for a while, and yet the more I even study now that the more just things start to stand out to me even more and make even more sense. Um given everything we've already been talking about with the Lord's Prayer so far. So
0: absolutely.
1: And so with that let's jump in. So
0: so we are continuing our study obviously and and this week's uh verse we're mm-hmm. we're going line by line through it and this week's verse is Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us, depending on the translation that you grew up with. Right. So, what have you found in your
1: digging, sir? Well, you look at uh, Matthew and you see the word debt, and you look in Luke and you can see the word sin. So mm-hmm. you already get this idea that either there's a conflict going on or there's a synonymous type of thinking going on. And I tend to think more of the latter. Um, it was sure. interesting just just this past weekend, um, my my kids and I, we were reading out of Genesis and um, uh, it got to the part of Joseph's story where he sold into slavery. And uh, you, you're reading this and you go, OK, you see the brothers planning it but they're not the ones that actually sell them. The Midianites do, they, but they sell them to the Ishmaelites. But then at the end of the chapter, it says that the Midianites sold them to Potiphar. But then in the, uh, uh, two, uh, in the not the next chapter, but the chapter after that, I think that's what, 39? Uh, it says that, uh, and then the Ishmaelites, uh, Potiphar, Potiphar bought um, Joseph from the Midian uh, the Ishmaelites who had brought him to Egypt. And so my daughter said, "Oh, it's got to be some sort of error, Dad. It's got to be the wrong word or something because it said Midianites sold him to Potiphar." So we were talking about indirect and direct and how that's used within Eastern thinking, and uh, mm. and yet in this case, I don't think it's so much as indirect as it is direct, um, because I, I do see there is a lot of synonym, synonym, there's a lot of synonymous. Uh, similarities between these two words going on um especially yeah. especially if we consider some of the linguists approach to this one of them being um uh brad young that i brought up before uh he's got that little booklet the jewish background of the lord's prayer which mm-hmm. is, a, is really very very good but um the word in in um matthew 6 is Oh, uh, let's see if I can have, I've been tongue-tied this morning. Ophelema oh, Ophelema. Oh, Ophelema. Oh, 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 which is uh, owed that which is justly or legally due a debt. Um and uh and that's not just even something hard, it's it's even figurative in, as far as something morally due. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, okay, morally. So we got something there. And then the, now the the, the direct septuagint direct, uh, connection with this word is Nassah out of Hebrew. And that goes back to Deuteronomy when it talks about lending. So we've got, as, as I'm sure you, you recognize, you've seen this economic language throughout scripture, right? Of um, course. Because even Paul talks about it in Philippians 3 even. He talks about it in other places. Jesus uses the economic language as well. Um, But when we look at it, as far as from um, the Hebrew point of view, I think a closer word would be hata'at, which would mean um, a condition of sin or guilt of sin, but more so in the fact that it's something that requires being purified from from a habitual sinfulness. And uh, that there's usually a punishment of sin or at least it's penalty that's required of that sin. And so what Brad Young does is he brings these two words together, debtors and sinners in in these two contexts, but especially within the biblical context and says it this way. Debt is more inclusive than sin because debt will also include failure in relationships or moral lack in behavior. Now he's focusing more on debt. But still he says the uh, this is these two can still work in tandem with one another because it's all dealing with relationship.
0: Absolutely. The sin the sin uh transgression iniquity part falls into a larger category of indebtedness. Mhm. I was going through Romans this morning and
1: yep, I think me too actually.
0: 12 or 13. Nice. We're just talking about owe no one anything. If you owe taxes, then pay your taxes. If you owe respect, then give respect. If honor, then honor. Whatever it is, and and it's in the context of being in right standing with local authorities and government and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. and give whatever is due. And I've heard it said that a lot of Paul's writings or most of Paul's writings are basically commentary on the Gospels and the old old covenant um so he's he's expounding on basically when jesus says um who's who's whose face is on this coin well if it's caesar's then give it to caesar and give give god what is god's you were made in god's image this coin was made in caesar's image deal appropriately Mm
1: -hmm. exactly Exactly. Um, one of the other portions I was reading about because I even had a friend ask me, um, that they, they were they, they said they were getting a little confused. Is that the wages of sin is death? And so she was asking me uh, along the lines of, "Will my sins? will I still have to pay for my sins somehow. Now, if the wages of sin is death, how can I have eternal life if I'm going to have death?
0: Because somebody else took the sin or took exactly,
1: the exactly. And I like how I like how the um a complete Jewish Bible says it in Romans chapter two, verse five, but your stubbornness by your unrepentant heart, you are storing up anger for yourself on the day of anger. When God's righteous judgment will be revealed for, he will pay back each one according to his deeds. So we're getting economic again, which another translation would say the wages of sin is death. So we we still got that economic language going on, right? What have you earned? Right. What, what are, what's going to be paid to you, or what, what are you going to have to pay? Yeah. To those, but here, but the, then again, uh, here's where context is so important because we get that one verse and we get it in our in our heads, and it works its way without the next two verses, which ends up explaining what her question was. To those who seek glory, honor, and immortality by perseverance in doing good he will pay back eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking, who disobey the truth and obey evil, he will pay back wrath and anger. Right? So it definitely carries with it this heavy relational language that not only, yeah, we, we have it in this economic language and being in our culture that we're in, I think that we can often get confused with those wages because if we were to take it quite literally which is what a lot of the jews were being um confronted with jesus about was regarding legalism and hypocrisy relating to that legalism of that taking we're taking what god said and making it legal in the sense that oh we just have something to do and if we don't do it right if we don't do it well then we've got a problem they completely removed even missed the relational aspects that were going on between Jesus and, I mean, God and Israel uh, through the, just even not only through the event, the, the marriage type event at Sinai, but just the language that followed that included the Ketubah and and the Ten Commandments and so forth.
0: So absolutely. And, and, and I love that you brought that part up because Legalism was going to have to come up in today's conversation because yes, the the wording and the verbiage of this verse is is telling God only forgive my debts, only clear my debts, only forgive my sins if I have forgiven others. Ah, inherently in the verbiage is it, it's corollary. Mm-hmm. It's causational. If I forgive others, then Lord forgive me. But if I don't. Lord, don't forgive me. So inherently, this is going to bring up the, the legality. And is it by works that we're forgiven, et cetera? And, and I'm really grateful that you, you went to, was that, that was Romans 3? Romans 2. Romans 2. Romans 2. And those two yeah, 5 through 8. 5 through 8. And, mm-hmm. and those verses that you read showed that yes we do right things but we don't do it to earn anything we do it because they're right we do right. it for the sake of the relationship yep we don't do it to, to earn having a relationship we do it because that's what you do in a relationship
1: exactly and being in, in relationship and with that context makes in my opinion uh, deuteronomy 15 stand out even more because the word debt where we're talking about lending and 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 paying back right in, in a sense here um and when it talks about in Rome, in deuteronomy 15 it says at the end of every seven years you are to have a shemitah uh here is how the shemitah is to be done every creditor is to give up what he has loaned to his fellow member of the community he is not to force his neighbor or relative to repay it because a Adonai's time of remission has been reclaimed, been proclaimed, not reclaimed. You may demand that a foreigner repay his debt, but you are to release your claim on whatever your brother owes you. In spite of this, there will be no one needy among you because Adonai will certainly bless you in the land which Adonai your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess. If only you will listen to what Adonai your God says and take care to obey all these mitzvot I'm giving you today. Yes, Adonai your God will bless you as he promised you you may you will lend money to many nations without having to borrow and you will rule over many nations without their ruling over you. And it even goes into being um uh the, the, the needy among you. And so the the idea of giving to 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 your to your brother in this case goes back to the inheritance, to the portion that we talked about uh, the other week. Right. And. Not just even to that aspect, but to the aspect that God is establishing the fact that this is a family and he's wanting this, fa- this family to behave in a certain way. Which is why Jesus was so emphatic with his point that what the, uh, the, the Iwodoia especially were doing in Jerusalem to all of Israel was incredibly oppressive and anything but family. They weren't acting like family. They were acting like leaders that wanted to be seen and heard in their own way rather than being the voice that god would use to be able to communicate to his family what it means to love god and love each other
0: and not just to his family but then extend it out as a kingdom e- of priests
1: exactly. to the rest
0: of the world yes. If, yes if those who are working in in the temple complex are not doing a quality job of representing god and extending olive branch to his family and extending relationship to his family. How's what, what chance does the rest of the world stand?
1: Right. Right. And, and if I've said before, I said, said that Levi is to Israel, what Israel is to the world. Exactly. Being this kingdom of priests, who are we leading people back to? Because this would also go even to blasphemy, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Because if we're not forgiving, I actually wrote down a question where I put that question. Um, <laughs> if. Yeah, it was basically along the lines of if we are not forgiving, what is that communicating to to the rest of the world? It is showing yeah. that the, God, the name of God and the person of God has no meaning or bearing on our on our attitude or even on our actions. Right. Exactly. And so we're tainting the very words that are coming out of our mouths with the behavior that is it anything but within, in league with what Jesus said. And I think that would even call into question our own discipleship. What are you following then? Are you following a rabbi or are you following an ideology or are you even not following, you're just in agreement with it? And I'm not mm-hmm. just saying that to anybody. I'm saying that to myself, really. Because there have sure. been those times where I've even had to challenge myself in this area. I'm not just doing this just to do it because it's required of me. I'm doing this because it's been given to me. This yeah. grace, this mercy, this forgiveness has been given to me. This goes back to Jesus's parable in, um, in the unforgiving debtor, right? And not only that, but it even hearkens to what Jesus said on the cross in Luke 23, uh, 34. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. And so um, I think it's amazing when we're able to look at this and realize that um, there are different types of economies than we tend to think that there are. And that God is heavily using our own actions as either debt or gains in our favor. Mm -hmm. We don't usually think of it in those terms, especially when it comes to economy here in the West.
0: Yeah. Now, what would what would you say to those who suggest that uh, Luke's use of the word sin or transgression versus Matthew's use of the word debt and the more economical approach um, might be more due to Matthew being a former tax collector than Mm. having anything to do with the connectedness between debt and sin.
1: I like that. I, I like that. I like that. Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's an excellent point. I like that a lot. And I think that there would definitely be that approach. But at the same time, while he was a tax collector, he was also very Jewish. And so I see this language being very Jewish in the sense that there is other um, additional Jewish writings, such as Sarich or Saric rather. Um, uh, ben Saric the rabbi, he wrote in, in that we are all sinners. So he's even using the word sinners. And then you've also, but you do have in the say the Jerusalem Talmud, do good to debtors. So there's that that concept of debtors there as well. And so um, I think what you what what's going on here is a lot in tandem with what you said earlier, is that um, sinners have an approach of self. There mm-hmm. it ca- ca- falls into a certain generalization, falls into a center of self, whereas debtors end up while it's very synonymous with the same thing, are definitely um, in debt in relational values or moral values even in this case, as, as even uh, more, uh, Brad Young pointed out. And so um, the center I think definitely f- goes to the position that we're in as far as what we're born into but that the debting part comes about regarding how we're interacting and behaving with each other. That's not to say sinner can't say the same thing, but at the same time, I think it adds to the picture of what we're doing when we behave the way we do towards each other and to God, right? We are placing ourselves in debt to these people and to God and saying, "I've done this to you. Now something's going to have to be done in repayment of this, and that's either vengeance, or it's death, right? Which even our own death would would make would be satisfactory for this, right? Which even G- God established that back in Genesis, and um, Jesus goes on to talk about it as well as Paul in Romans that it is our death that's required. For our sins to be satisfied. But here's Jesus stepping in going, I'll do that. I'll take those. I'll mm-hmm. take that debt. I'll pay that price. And so, yeah. and it and even Jesus' actions right there and then makes this entire understanding of mercy and forgiveness all the more meaningful, but all the more relevant in how we present our lives and our and even our actions to other people in a day-to-day basis. Yes but it's not just people it's also god it's also god of course that we are presenting ourselves to him in our actions and so you know it's interesting that this takes me back to um something we brought up a few episodes ago um what was that called uh uh which goes to the mindset of prayer Hmm. and that it's it's a jewish concept that goes beyond just simple reading you're not just merely reading a prayer or you're saying a prayer but that there is intentional introspection that goes into that prayer and the intentional um and the intentional uh, uh, effort to actually be talking to god than simply just saying something to god right and so this becomes even more important when we are looking at our debts, because when you look at the parable that Jesus said, the guy was just merely offering lip service to that king. And that was evident by the action of him turning around and demanding his payment from his other friend and then not getting it, throwing him in jail. It was just right. lip service. Absolutely. So there is such intentionality behind this that it, requires i wouldn't just say more of us because we already get that concept in deuteronomy 6 4 of love the lord your god with all your heart so mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself there is definitely more of that but it's also less of us as well Hmm. less of me we get that concept sometimes less of me and more of you right right there was there was even um uh okay (laughs) <laughs> this may seem a little out of out of out of context, but Lincoln Park, Chester Bennington, the lead singer of Lincoln Park, I remember him writing the song "Numb," and he was actually talking about this to some degree. And now he was relating it to being in a group of people or in a room of people. That are putting certain expectations on him, and it's leaving him feeling numb, especially with his own ability of just being himself and being able to do what he does. But instead, he's just feeling fear and pressure, and and, and everything being watched, right? Okay. And, and having certain pers- uh, certain expectation put it on. Him. But um, the idea that you are under God's watchful judging eye mm. is. A backwards way in my opinion to be looking at this. Now we can take that from two perspectives of what we have an idea of when it comes to either God and or a king. The attitude of God and the attitude of a king that is that is presenting who is making the, their, their kingdom more important than themselves becomes the example That is already demonstrated in scripture, but it becomes the example of what it means to have the authority, have the ability to be able to stand up to somebody and says, no, I don't like that. Or even have the ability to stand up and say, I'm not going to forgive you for that. Right. But yet the ability to be able to step back and go, no, I don't want to be subject to that. I don't want that to rule me because the idea of ruling it means sin, uh, is is implied that there's something to be ruled and but mm. not only that but when you rule that there's something even ruling you it's either going to be your heart or it's going to be some sort of moral code of some kind or in this case it's going to be god's relational standards right yeah this prayer and the study of it has made me more, more intentional about looking at Jesus as not just some, um, not just Lord, somebody that's done something for me and that I get to honor, but at the same time hit my teacher, my rabbi. I've said before, Heather asked me, Am I are we becoming Jewish? And I said, No, <laughs> we're not becoming Jewish. Although I can be very Jewish at heart sometimes, it is being even more deliberate and saying, I want to learn more about Jesus. I want to become more like him. That's what the disciple, right. the Talmudim's, were in effort to do when it came to a, a relationship between the disciple and the rabbi. I want to be just like him. So they were memorizing right. his words, mannerisms, way of life, and so forth. And so I'm sorry, I, I'm realizing I've been talking. I I I didn't mean to kind of take over there, forgive me, but I guess this is just some thoughts that have been on my mind regarding this, and it's just it's it's calling me to something more than just myself.
0: Absolutely. And I'm gonna piggyback on the idea of lordship, um more from a counseling perspective. Sure. Um a lot of times when when we are tempted to not forgive unforgiveness or bitterness and resentment Mm
1: -hmm. really what's
0: going on is deep in our hearts we are believing the lie that we have to protect ourselves oh very well so i'm going to hold this uh grudge against you for the sake of securing my heart in a fortress so that you can't hurt me again
1: yeah which inherently
0: means i am lord of my own heart Mm -hmm. but to forgive is to say I release my right to punish you doesn't mean that trust is automatically restored. Doesn't mean that everything's hunky dory. Doesn't mean that what happened is insignificant, but I, it does mean that I'm letting you off of my hook. Yeah. You might still be on God's hook. That's between you and God. Mm -hmm. God saw what happened. He will deal with it. I am, I am biased. He is not. So I'm going to let him take care of this one. Because Mm -hmm. he promised he would. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to choose to let his lordship rule over my heart and over this situation. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going, I don't need to protect myself. Right. Because the Lord is my strong tower in whom I take refuge.
1: Exactly. And it's interesting how even refuge in, in uh Sagav, yeah, Sagav, I believe it is in Hebrew, is being pulled above the storm and being able to access a place that would be otherwise unaccessible. yeah, and that, of course, being the presence of the Lord. but um there was that i've re- I've quoted this verse so many times <laughs> on the podcast, but even with you and others. And it's one I just keep coming back to because, in our western thinking we tend to be formulaic right if i do this this and this can be the be the result right but i'm not trying to be formulaic but i'm in seeing the isaiah uh, chapter 30 verse 15 it becomes a relational process right um and he, and the lord god is saying that um to israel in returning and rest is your salvation or what will save you And in quietness or calmness, in some translations, and in confidence is your strength or will make you strong or will shall be your strength. And the first two parts of this is directly relatable to action because returning means just like what the prodigal son did. He literally got Mm -hmm. up, turned around, walked home, and then he returned to his father. But resting. Um, it is definitely related to a word of action, but in context, it's talking about laying down your sword. It's no longer a fight for you to have to have to battle. It's no yeah. longer a fight you have to to work at. And it's interesting that when you look at the narrative of what God's saying, the battle is mine, saith the Lord. And he is also saying to Israel when they're going from the wilderness into the promised land, I'm going to go ahead of you. I'm going to fight this battle for you. So when you get Mm -hmm. there, you get to take it. Now, that's definitely seen in Jericho for sure. And we would argue, oh, maybe I don't see that really in any of the other battles. But it was said that his his angel went ahead of him. That the angel of God went ahead of them. And so this angel wasn't just leading them, he was going ahead of them in a battle of his own, I think absolutely, and that's and
0: and I would say that it this happens in a lot of the battles throughout the old Old Testament, not to mention like um is it Exodus thirteen or fourteen when Moses tells the people, just stand there and shut up and watch God act on your behalf. Your job is to be quiet. Yes, and then, but how many? How many of the actual war, like Gideon, who's yeah, who's terrified, and he goes down into the, into the enemy's army, and and they're talking about how God is going to defeat them, and mm-hmm. um, when Jerusalem is under siege, and the lepers go out and and go to surrender to Israel's enemies, and find the enemy encampment completely desolate because the Lord went out and fought on their behalf and scared them all away. Yes. Or the times when God turned um, kind of enemy of my enemy is my friend. God turned those two enemies who were both enemies of Israel against each other so that they didn't have to do a thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This happens all the time in the old Testament.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the contrast to not doing that is chaos. It's worry. Mm-hmm. It's distress. Which makes the next line of Isaiah 30, 15, even more, all the more prevalent in the sense that it's saying calmness and confidence will make you strong. Because yes. they're, they're in the context of this chapter, they're trying to run down to Egypt and gain mm-hmm. refuge them and from them and protection from them. And thinking this is what's going to make us strong. But yet, how amazing is it when God says, no, I would actually calm your heart. I would calm your mind. And give you the confidence of knowing what it means to have this in relation to resting in me and returning yes. to me. Right. and It's the that- picture of,
0: of David against Goliath, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who yeah. threatens the armies of the living God. It's, yep. it's calm and confidence in God versus all the other soldiers in the Israelite army at the time who were terrified. Mm -hmm. same scenario, same exact thing, nothing had changed but where does your hope lie? Does your hope lie in defending yourself and protecting yourself or does your hope lie in your Heavenly Father who is head over heels for you literally thinks you're to die for and wants to take care of you we could even tie this in, our podcast will run way too long if we do but we could even (laughs) tie this into um, Yeshua's words of if you don't come to me or come to the kingdom like a little child, you can't has it. Because a little child should not be worried about, Daddy, do we not have enough income to, to eat dinner tonight? Mm. Can we pay the rent tonight? Can we pay the electric tonight? Mm-hmm. That is not your job, little one. Do mm-hmm. not worry. Do not fret. Rest in me. Yep. Yep. But if you're looking to yourself to take care of your own needs, pulling back to forgiveness, if you're looking to yourself to defend your own heart through bitterness and resentment and not forgiving past hurts, mm-hmm. rather than protecting the one, the only one who can truly forgive or truly yeah. defend you, excuse me, we, we forgive and we release our right to punish, trusting that he will defend us. Now, yeah. That doesn't mean that difficulties won't come that, that we need to continue to put ourselves in a position to be hurt by the same individual over and over. That's, that's a different issue. That's a conversation about reconciliation versus not, not about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is business between me and God. Reconciliation is me with others with God.
1: Yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. And, um, I think more language from Isaiah actually would aid in this. Uh, it says in uh, Isaiah chapter eight, uh, verse eleven, starting there. It says, "For this is what Adonai said to me, speaking with a strong hand, warning me not to live the way this people does." Now, mm-hmm. he, he's he, the people that he's he's talking about is um people that are unreliant upon him, but that have right. even gone as far as to say. He, he says in verse twelve. Don't regard as alliance what this people calls alliance. And don't fear what they fear or be awestruck by it. But Adonai Zavod, consecrate him. Let him be the object of your fear and awe. He is there to be a sanctuary. But for both the houses of Israel, he will be a stone to stumble over, a rock obstructing their way, a trap and a snare. For the inhabitants of Jerusalem, many of them will stumble and fall, be broken and trapped and captured. Now there is a uh, a book that you and I are both familiar with um, um, where it says in an introduction that our identity is our sanctuary and yes. I've always struggled with that idea because I've never since that mm. that is not where we abide. We do not abide in our sanctuary. if we abide in our own sanctuary of our making of our identity, which is still yes yes it's connecting to God, but it's kind of halfway. I'm going to set this being my abiding point. It's not me, but then it's not God. It's somewhere in between. But God would have us be in in abidance with him in the tabernacle, right? Right. That's that's God in tabernacle with us. And Jesus became that tabernacle amongst us. And so he is there to be a sanctuary. Rather than our identity being the sanctuary, he is the sanctuary. And so when we return to him and we rest in him, then it becomes something much more than just us. It becomes a complete and total reliance as well as alliance with him.
0: Yes. I think, I think with that, with that, uh, uh, regarding the identity piece, I think that that is, is, I think, I think it's saying the same thing you just said, but from a different perspective
1: and I because could, yeah we I, I we have see to that. I agree with it, that. it's
0: not that our identity like i stand on my identity like um like my identity as an american or my identity as as a whatever political party i'm affiliated with or anything like that but my mm-hmm. identity as child of god mm-hmm. so yes he he is my dwelling place he is my strong tower he's the one that came to a tabernacle with us, but if I don't identify or recognize that I am his child, if I don't uh, with heart understanding, not just head knowledge, not just carnally, if I don't in the recesses of my heart accept the invitation and accept that new identity as an adopted child of his, then he can come and tabernacle wherever he wants to. I'm not going to draw near because I don't think I deserve it. Which indeed I don't, but it was a free gift to me anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that's where it was. What it was meaning with identity, I need to know that it is open to me and that He is in love with me, not just everyone but me.
1: Okay, I can definitely see it from that point of view. When it comes to the word sanctuary, though, and the idea of being in a sanctuary, and how the word rest, as we see in Isaiah thirty fifteen, can be attached to that, especially with Isaiah. Um, eight, um, 14 being context. I see that being the opposite then, because if we're to rest, where are we to rest? We're to rest in his presence, not in our identity is the point I was trying to make. And so, um, but I can definitely see your point of view from that because, um, what is the result the result is we are children and that is something we get to stand in confidence with because that would even go in line with first john right oh yeah
0: first john and romans 8 oh yeah yeah
1: first first john 3 especially this is how we know that we are children of god that the love of god by, lives in us and this is how we know that we love god by following his commandments so yeah. there is definitely a a sense of security i would say I, that would be the word I would use. Sense of security as to who, to knowing who we are. But the idea of resting uh, would 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 be involved with being where he's at and being in his presence, and um, having connected all of this back to what we're not too far. I don't think we're too far afield from where we've started. <laughs> um, but when we look at Israel and the land especially, and the people in it, and how God has expect has given them a certain expectation of how to not only interact with the land, but interact with each other and interact with Him, we get this sense of there are, yes, various aspects of this that we can draw from as far as a sense of security or a sense of self. But when it mm-hmm. comes to the ultimate salvation aspect of this of all of this it is a returning to him specifically and it's a putting down of our own arms and our own efforts to fight this fight that we think we have right And returning to him and making saying no this is no longer my fight this is no longer my debt yeah and so yeah, absolutely because I would even go as far as to even say that I, I, I may have met somebody that may have said this. This might be where I'm getting the idea, but why should I allow someone else to pay my debt? No, I got this. Um, it's almost, you see the Let's. Uh, you've got the picture of somebody standing at a at a, a cashier at a grocery store, and the person behind them saying, "Hey, can I buy your groceries for you today?" And them going uh mm-hmm. no 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 i i buy my own groceries thank you i can pay my own way and, and what fr- do we call that well what, what well we call it several things one of them is is arrogance um and mm-hmm. selfishness in some regards what what idea what word came to your mind pride
0: mm. yeah pride is that, what prevents yep. us from accepting help yeah from saying no thank you i've got this from taking it on ourselves Exactly. And inherently, this might rub some people wrong, but that doesn't make it mean it's untrue. Pride is what leads us to unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. Yes. Because I can take care of myself, thanks very much. And we can take scripture out of context. Guard your heart for it is, is the wellspring of life. Well, mm. God told me to guard my heart against this, against people like this, against people who do this, whatever right. this is. So I need to defend myself and protect my heart and blah 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 blah, which of course is not at all what that scripture is saying. No, <laughs> no. it's truly pride and arrogance that prevents us from accepting God's uh, provision, mm-hmm. that prevents us from accepting. That and and we probably need to close our our episode, but <laughs> um, but like that's like saying no thanks, I've got this, I can, um. I don't know. I can push a Mack truck across the continental U.S. Yeah. No thanks. No. I I can carry three elephants on my back and and circumnavigate the globe. I got this. Thanks. It's it's that absurd. It's, really? Mm-hmm. You you think that you tiny ant can can handle the sin issue between you the mortal and God the immortal the divine? Really?
1: Mm-hmm. That that's
0: it it. It doesn't even compare. Just how ludicrous that is, right? But, but pride
1: doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, especially in that regard. But it makes sense when you bring in the word trust.
0: Sure. Who can absolutely. you trust?
1: And so I, I was having it's a, a, a conversation whole lot
0: easier to trust self than to trust God
1: or others, for that matter. But yes, you're absolutely sure. right. Um, I was talking with my kids recently about relationships and um, I basically had to put it in this context, which I think fits very well here, the context of a bank account and the money Mm. that we're drawing on is trust. Yep. The more you're interacting with somebody, the more you're getting to know them and trusting them, trust is being added to that account. But when something's done, when something is said on one part of the parties that are involved, that that decreases that balance and what a shame it would be if something was to go into the red, right? And yet this is what we have an assurance with God. He is that consistent. He is far more consistent and far more trustworthy than we, than we give him credit for. Even I gave him credit for at one time in my life. And yet because I started to trust him, I began to know I can rely on him more and more, which is what the exact same thing that Abraham did, that Isaac did, that Jacob did. It was, there's that language again, credited him as righteousness because he trusted God. Yeah. So here, (laughs) the idea that That this concept that we've been taught from childhood to just simply be words we repeat Mm. and carry with it some very strong and deep meaning that connects us to, not just to a people, but to a a God who has made himself known and continues to make himself known through the ages and has made a relationship with him bankable.
0: I like that. Bankable.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think what an amazing way to start rethinking the verse that our treasures are stored in heaven. Mm. Right. It's a whole new economy. It's a whole new sense of of currency, which is why I've never I've never understood. I've said this before. I've never understood capitalism. I've never understood Mm -hmm. the culture that I live in when it comes to all of this money, 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 more, 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 take, take, take. It just, it just Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense to me. But in regards of what I just said, I, I, I've had to come into this own understanding of myself and realizing I've had this, I feel like I've been part of a different society, a different culture most of my life. And I've understood its concepts more than I've understood the one that, of, of the country that I live in now. But there's nothing that says these two can't work together. I can live in America mm-hmm. and still and still be able to live in a way that will reflect the heart that God has put in me that God has has reignited within me. And I like that mm-hmm. word ignited because it becomes a passion, it becomes a flame. And what happens when a spark is lit, it can become a wildfire fire. Yes. And James yeah. even talks about the tongue being like a rudder or like a, a spark. What kind of flame are we gonna set? Yeah. What kind of flotilla could we have? What could we be a part of on such a high seas where everything is working in unison and in beautiful mm. harmony? You saw that in our study in Joel three of just that, that incredible precision of God's army working in ways that they never got in front of each other or impeded each other. It was all working as he designed. Yeah. Yeah. Forgive us. are think. Perhaps, yeah.
0: I think perhaps we draw this episode to a close, but you just gave me an idea. Once once we're through this uh, this series, we should do one on uh, maybe not a series, but we should do an episode on capitalism and and um stuff like that. That could be a very interesting conversation.
1: I agree. I agree because i'm not I'm not lumping capitalism. I'll say this for the record right now. I'm not lumping it into a a category of wrong and evil, um although sure. scripture does say that the root of of all evil is is money, but um right. It, there is a way that we can handle it and handle it in a godly way that will yes. bring glory to his name and not defame yeah. it. So with that said, we thank you for listening with us today. <laughs> we we hope you were able to follow along with us. But um, at the same time, I hope you're able to join with us in this conversation. We, yeah. we don't do this just to simply have a conversation with each other or to tell you a thing or two, but really to invite you in and then hopefully you can join us in this conversation. So please feel free to write us at BeardedBibleBrothers at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, please keep reading your Bible and building that bank account of trust with God and with each other. Amen. See you later.